Hey everybody, welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I am sure it cannot wait to see Desmond Bain, Ja Morant, and Triple J on the court at the same time. It feels so close, yet so far away. Yeah, I'm like, <clears throat> I, I'm going to be honest with what I'm about to say. I feel like if we get a fully healthy Grizzlies team in the playoffs, I think we're going to be one of the harder teams to beat, especially now with the growth of Desmond Bain, where it's like now you can't really only just key in on the job. Like Des, before he got hurt, he was averaging 25 points a game. And then you have Jerry, who ever since he's come back from injury, he's only he hasn't he had to score 20 points on the two games. Last game he scored 15, and the first game against the Pelicans he scored like nine. So it's, I'm super excited. Did he just have eight blocks too? He did. That's what I yep. thought. I mean, he is just going crazy. And I was looking at a stat, like, as of recently, since Jaren's comeback, he already has more blocks than Rudy Gobert, who is supposed to be the best shot blocker in the league. So it's crazy just to see how big of an impact he's had since coming back. And like I said, it would be so cool once everybody gets healthy. Well, you got a cool show for you guys today. We are going to talk the recent wide receiver signings run the NFL and how that affects OBJ on his free agency sweepstakes. We are also going to discuss the Tua versus Justin Herbert to debate and decide whether or not Justin Herbert would be a better fit for the Dolphins than Tua at this point. And then with regards to the NBA, we are going to discuss the newly designed NBA awards, which I think is a long time coming, and I'm really excited to get that get talking about that just because I mean I think some of them are really really dope but before we get to any of that please sure to check out the export.net I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers previous episodes of our lovely podcast our YouTube channel entitled the export so without further ado for the college football player spotlight last week we discussed who we thought should win the Heisman and it turned out being quarterback for USC Caleb Williams who had an interesting comment to uh, the Heisman runner-ups uh, during his speech, he said, I may be standing up here today, but y'all get to go to the college football player spotlight. Of course, he was referencing Stetson Bennett and the uh, Georgia Bulldogs, Max Duggan and the TCU Horn Frogs, uh, C.J. Stroud and the Ohio State Buckeyes, and then that fourth team will be the Michigan Wolverines. But it got me to thinking, Ethan, would you rather, if you were a college football player, win the Heisman or make the college football playoff? I think for me, it depends on what position I play. Um, If I'm a quarterback, I would rather win the Heisman. Because typically, whoever wins the Heisman, if they go on or if they have a Heisman trophy, more times than not, they've been a really high draft pick um, in the league. But if I play any other position, I would rather win a championship. If it comes – honestly, it depends what my team is. Truthfully, in terms of legacy, I would say a Heisman. Like, unless I knew for a fact my team was going to the championship and winning, I would take the Heisman because Heisman winners live forever. Like, unless you win that national championship at the end of the year, you may have a good year, but it doesn't go down in history. Nobody's really remembering 
it whereas with the heisman like you mentioned that is a big boost to draft stock it also helps you be immortal in the sense of everybody's going to remember you not just your college but on the national scale and plus you get even more endorsements because everybody knows that you're a premier athlete so personally i would go heisman um unless like i said i knew a championship was guaranteed but we got a few weeks till the NFL playoffs kick off, but here's what took place week 14. Thursday night football, Baker Mayfield led the Rams into an interesting Thursday night win over the Las Vegas Raiders, 17-16. to My Baltimore Ravens end a two-year losing streak to the Pittsburgh Steelers, beating them 16-14, to which Baltimore, I apologize for my lack of faith. Uh, the Detroit Lions stopped the Vikings from clinching a playoff spot, winning 34-23. to The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Titans for just the first time in the last 10 games, 36-22. to Eagles route the Giants, 48-22. to Bills get revenge against the Jets, 20-12. to Bengals in their losing streak to the Browns, 23-10. to uh, the Dallas Cowboys survived the Houston Texans 27-23. The Broncos put up a fight against the Chiefs, but end up falling 34-28. 49ers destroy the Bucks 35-7. Panthers capitalize on Seahawks turnovers, win the game 30-24. Chargers defeat the Dolphins 23-17. And after a torn ACL injury, which we'll talk about a little bit later, to Kyler Murray, it was easy sledding for the Patriots to get the Monday night for Monday night victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Not exactly the great greatest week for either of us. I went six and seven. You went five and eight. And here are some of the biggest injury news, starting with Cowboys losing starting right tackle Terrence Steele with a significant knee injury. Your Titans are going to lose cornerback Caleb Farley for the rest of the year after he has back surgery. Bengals lose star defensive end Trey Hendrickson for the next few weeks with a broken wrist. As I previously mentioned, Kyler Murray is done for the year with a torn ACL, making it an interesting timetable as to when he's going to come back in 2023. Marcus Mariota has officially... Uh, been put on IR for a knee injury, ending his season and officially giving Desmond Ritter the keys to the franchise at least for the last month. And then finally, Debo Samuel, after suffering an MCL sprain and ankle sprain, it's determined he won't miss the entire year, but it's no real time tell as to when he's going to come back in the regular season. I think you and I both can agree that the 49ers offense looked really, really potent this past Sunday. And Brock Party looks pretty confident, but still, how big of a blow is it going to be not to have Debo, let's just say, for the next couple of weeks? I think it's going to be big because the biggest strength of the 49ers offense, and me and you have talked about it um, for several episodes of this podcast, is that they have a really versatile set of skill position players like Debo. By all definitions, he's a wide receiver. But you can put him in the backfield and he can run the ball. Christian McCaffrey, by all definitions, he's a running back. But you can line him up at wide receiver. And you can just do some really interesting things with those guys on the field. And it all kind of started to come to fruition last year when Debo started to take carries as a running back. And that became a fixture of the 49ers offense. Um, I think it's a big blow, especially just given that they're in the running for the playoffs. You're in a position now where you have, at least for the foreseeable future, you have Brock Purdy at quarterback, and he looked good in his first game. But we all know that that first game is a game where no one has tape on you, and you kind of just going out there, and the defense is going blind. 
Um, and now you have film to see what their defense can use to take things away from you. So I think it's a big blow um, for the 49ers. Yeah, you and I are in agreement. I think, especially because when you and I talked about going back to when CMC got traded there, we both really liked that move because CMC has an injury history. But like you said, the versatility of the roster of having a guy like Debo and then Elijah Mitchell and other guys in tow, like the pressure wouldn't be all on him to have to do everything. But now looking at this offense, I mean, Brandon Ayuk is solid, but he's no Debo Samuel. Jawan Jennings, another guy who is solid, but not Debo Samuel. George Kittle has kind of been picking it up as late, but it kind of begs question of well how much of a load is this going to put on Christian McCaffrey now because we know how great he is when he's healthy but the problem is he hasn't necessarily been available so I think that the 49ers are kind of in this situation where they I think they're going to have to pull off the reins a little bit just because they don't want to run the risk of wearing down a Christian McCaffrey or a George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk especially because they want to make a deep playoff run which they are more than capable of doing but I think it just comes time to try to find a way to balance that but also helping Brock Purdy have as much success as he can because I mean he's been blessed with having quite a few weapons around him but as they kind of start to trickle down and get hurt it's going to be hard to see what he's going to be able to do but all right let's go ahead and talk our top five takeaways of the week Ethan you can kick us off top five takeaways number five um I gotta go with my Titans I think that they this offseason is going to be a very interesting one from the standpoint of obviously the top priority is signing, re-signing Jeffrey Simmons, but we need to find a way to get offensive line play, better offensive line play, and cornerback depth because Christian Fulton, he is a good, he's a good serviceable corner, but he isn't a number one in my opinion. He can show flashes, but I think he would be better off as a two. But the reality is, is once he goes down, and we, like you just stated, we lost Taylor Farley, who hasn't really, when he's on the field, he's been okay, but hasn't really been like a super standout. But once those two guys go down, it's like our secondary just is depleted. And we gave up whatever to Trevor Lawrence this past Sunday. Yeah, speaking of Trevor Lawrence, that actually was my takeaway. Um, Will the real Trevor Lawrence please stand up? I mean, I don't know what it is about Trevor Lawrence playing our favorite teams, but that's when he wants to throw for over 300-plus yards and just have a game. But it's it's getting a bit ridiculous. I mean, last week you and I were both questioning – what was up with Trevor Lawrence after he had kind of a disappointing performance against the Lions. Then he bounced back with 368 yards against the Titans, three touchdowns. I mean, it was a terrific game. And I think, like we mentioned after the Ravens game, like we're starting to see him take those steps into being the guy that everyone thought he was going to be. But it's like, how do you get that on a consistent level? I think that's going to be the thing that determines whether or not Trevor Lawrence really takes those steps that everyone expects him to. Um, for me, my number four is if the Giants. If Saquon Barkley doesn't have a good a good game, their offense is non-existent. I understand that they put up twenty-two points against the Eagles, but in today's NFL, twenty-two points isn't going to win you that many football games unless you have the greatest defense of this generation. Um. And Saquon had nine carries, only had 28 yards. 
and you can tell and by their scoreboard, like he is their whole offense. And we and like they need to figure out either looking into the draft, looking in the free agency over the off season, but they need to find other playmakers in different positions beside and like not leaving him to be the only playmaker really on the field. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, my number four is Baltimore has to do everything in their power to keep Roquan Smith in tow. It's a saying in Baltimore that you're not really a Raven until you beat the Steelers. And like I said, this past Sunday we ended a two-game win. I mean, two-year losing streak to the Steelers. And Roquan played a huge role in that. Had a sack, had a key interception in the red zone, and then finished the game off with how many tackles? He has six tackles. I'll take that ten times out of ten. I mean, I've already discussed how his – his presence is really helping PQ to reach his highest levels. And if you ask me, I think they're the best linebacker tandem in the league, and I'll argue that case with anybody. And I know Baltimore, this the situation with Lamar and trying to figure out everything with him. But I think that push comes to shove, Baltimore has always been driven by defense, specifically a linebacker. And Roquan Smith is the best linebacker we've had. Walk those halls since the days of Ray Lewis. Um, for me, my number three is, is it the rise of the knee biters? Um, the Detroit Lions, they they gave the Minnesota Vikings a pretty pretty nice upset victory. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the Lions are like 5-1 and one or something like that. In their last few games, the Lions currently are 4-1 and one in the last five. Okay, so 4-1. And... One. and We've, we've talked about how they made games interesting, and we pretty much expected them to lose, but they're making an interesting game. And now they're starting to pull away and come out with Ws in these interesting games. And I think it'll be very interesting because now it talks about Jared Goff potentially actually being the franchise guy for Detroit because he actually had a good game. He was – what, 27 for 39 for 330 and three touchdowns and no interceptions. So it's, it's looking up for Detroit right now. No, nah, most definitely. They're a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm excited to see what they do. I mean, you and I both were kind of bashing them when they traded TJ Hawkinson, but I mean, they're made, they're showing that they didn't need them and getting that uh, draft pick is going to come. C- is going to be huge as they continue to build this roster and make them stronger. Uh, my number three comes from that game as well, and it's Justin Jefferson is the best wide out in the league, and if you disagree, you can argue with your mama. I am not coming off of this pedestal. Jay Jettis is the man, and it was very frustrating leading up to the game. Everybody's talking about, well, will the Lions be able to slow down Justin Jefferson? Can the Lions hold him? Blah, 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 because he did have his worst career game against him, only had 14 yards in their first meeting this season, and people really trying to hype up Jeff Okuda in this secondary like they were some dogs, and then Justin Jefferson came out and said, nah, I'm better than each and every one of you. Caught 11 of his 15 targets for a career-high 223 yards, averaged 20.3 yards per carry he's the man best wide out in the league I understand statistically I think Tyreek Hill still may be ahead of him but Tyreek Hill is great I give him his flowers but Justin Jefferson is a different breed yeah I ain't gonna hold you Justin Jefferson he's him like dude different and yeah Tyreek Hill might have the most receiving yards but we know a lot of that is because Tyreek Hill is the fastest player in the NFL and he can just get yards out of the cage. But, like, Jay Jettles, 
that dude cold. Um, my number two was this past Sunday the first real sighting of what the Chargers actually could have been this whole season if everyone stayed healthy. Um, they held the Dolphins, who we speaking of Tyree Gill, they held the Dolphins to 17 points. And yes, the defense was depleted with a couple of injuries, but they had, in my opinion, their best overall defensive game this season. And offensively, with the return of Kenan Allen and Mike Williams, you saw Justin Herbert look like the Justin Herbert that we saw last season. He was 39 for 51, 367, and a touchdown, and no interceptions. And Mike Williams had six receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. Like, I understand injuries are a part of the game, but sometimes people write off teams because they're um, – their record is bad when actually we all know that they're a better team when they're completely healthy. Yeah. Oh, I 100% agree. And like I said, we'll talk more about Justin Herbert versus two in that game uh, a bit later on. But, I mean, in just watching that game, I think you hit on the head. Like, when they're healthy, when they get guys like Mike Williams back on the field, Keenan Allen, and especially once they get, they get that offensive line back right, their offense has a chance to be one of the best in the league for sure. Uh, my number two is Baker had a drive to remember, but everybody needs to chill out. I understand everybody. Baker last week was the golden boy leading the Rams on a game-winning drive against the Raiders. It was great. It was a terrific throw to Van Jefferson. I give him his props. However, let's not act like Baker was not great most of that game. Let's also not act like Baker has been good at any point of this season or if he was good last year. I think everybody needs to kind of calm down and remember who we're talking about. No disrespect to Baker. Like I said, he had a terrific play. But Baker Mayfield is still Baker Mayfield. And I just think people need to chill out and not act like they all of a sudden want him to be their starting quarterback because I can't think of anybody who would take Baker right now over their current starter. It's funny that Baker was your two because Baker is my number one. Um, For essentially everything that you said, like, bro, he had one good drive. And really, he had one good drive against a team that probably didn't even have time to properly game plan for him at quarterback because he came, what, two days before the game. Yeah. And also, this is another topic of discussion. We all know that Josh McDaniels is not a good head coach in the NFL. Um, so that victory, comeback victory against the Raiders, don't overhype it. Like, yes, the Raiders look better. He the previous games leading up to it, but still, it's Josh, it's Josh Daniels. He's not a good head coach, and they looked up and got one good drive out of a subpar quarterback. Yeah, so I'll say this. If he finds a way to have a complete game against the Packers and so on, okay. But till then, everybody chill out. Uh, speaking of – I'm on now. This one is, I think, something that is going a bit under the radar. And that is my number one is the Chiefs defense is becoming a problem again and not in a good way. For years, we've kind of talked about how the Chiefs defense has always been a liability. They give up a lot of yards. They give up a lot of points. Their secondary hasn't been great. They don't get a lot of pressure. And this year, for the most part, they've been okay. But these last couple of weeks, they really haven't been able to get off the field on third down. Blew a major lead to the Broncos this past Sunday, which I'll definitely get to in a couple of minutes. Like, And it's just, right now, we all know that Patrick Mahomes has to be a golden boy. 
And on Sunday, he was not the golden boy through three picks. A couple of them look really uncharacteristic. It's not the performance you expect out of Patrick Mahomes. And so when that happens, you need the defense to buck up and stand up. However, that is the complete opposite of what they did. And when you're doing that against an offense that is riddled with backups and guys who are kind of signed off the street like the Broncos, I love Russell Wilson, but there's no way that the Chiefs defense should have played that bad. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our most impressive offensive, defensive, and rookies of the week. So, Ethan, you can kick us off. Who's your most off- impressive offensive player this past week? My most impressive offensive player, I got to go with Mike Williams. Um, and the reason being, like, yes, his stat line is good, but I didn't – I saw highlights of some of the catches that he made in that game. Beautiful. And it's like it's, – it's like he was playing Madden on arcade mode. Pretty much. I mean, just big body and everybody. It was wild. Um, as for that, uh, mine is Russell Wilson. I know that they lost the game, but kind of going back into it, at one point before halftime, they were down 27-0. It could have been easy to just give it up, phone it in, but instead Russ went on a tear and put his body and, honestly, his career on the line. Right? Did you see that video where he hit, his head hit the top? I saw it. I, I watched it after you sent it to me. It was nasty. It was very nasty. And, mind you, like, by that point, it was a one-score game. He had, prior to that, he would thrown 247 yards, three touchdowns, his best game of the season so far, and led the team with 57 rushing yards. Literally gave it his all on that last run where he ended up getting hurt. And I'm not going to lie, like, concussions happen. I know it. It's a fact, but just the seeing him go down and like his face and how slack jawed he looked afterward, like it literally sent chills through my body. And it sucked to see not just because Russ is my fav- one of my favorite players, but just the fact that he's trying to do everything he can to will this garbage team. And so it was really impressive to me just seeing him continue to go all out like that. And though it came in a loss, I think that Russ really showed that he is giving everything he has to this team. Yeah, my defensive, I got to go with your boy. I got to go with Roquan Smith. Like, he had six six total tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, and two pass breakups. And, like, that is one of the – and I know he affected the game way more than what he did on the stat sheet. And, like, that's just an all-around all complete stat stuff and like type game from a linebacker. And like ever since he's been like since he's been traded to Baltimore, you just can tell that he loves it. And y'all defense has been like night and day different. Yeah. So you know Baltimore. Look, like I said, I know we got to deal with Russ and I mean not Russ with Lamar and give him his money, but quiet as it's kept, I rather if I had to pick between the two, this sound crazy, but if we just wanted to pay. Pay uh, Roquan and trade Lamar for multiple first-round picks and kind of build towards the future. I take it because at least our defense will be good. Probably going to get murdered by Baltimore fans, but it's a fact. All right, uh, my defensive player, I'm actually going to double up on rookies. Uh, but my first rookie I'm going to shout out is Trayvon Walker, linebacker for the Jags. I mean, like we talked about this a while ago, but like probably the quietest first-round pick 
we've had. Like, he was kind of quiet in college as well. His numbers didn't necessarily blow you away, but it was the potential. And this season has kind of been another thing. Like, his numbers don't blow you away, but then he has those games where he really shows out. And that was the case this past weekend against uh, Tennessee. He had three tackles, a sack, a fumble recovery. Just really kind of stepped up when the team needed him most. Because overall, I know we just talked about Trevor Lawrence, but it was a really good defense pre- defensive performance from the Jags as well. Yeah, um, my rookie, it has to be nobody besides Brock Purdy. It's it's your first game. You're going up against the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, yes, your defense did a tremendous job, but you still had the the like calm and presence to still be able to perform under that under those circumstances. So I got to go with Brock Purdy. Yeah, Brock Purdy's my rookie of the week, but defensively, my bad, it's Trayvon Walker. Uh, my most disappa- disappointing player is Dak Prescott. Not this Sunday, but last Sunday, I had a very long conversation with somebody who was really trying to get me to believe that Dak Prescott was a top 10 quarterback in this league. Big cap, hello, I know. And, like, in the process, he was also bashing Lamar Jackson. And, like, it was getting to the point where it pissed me off. Like, I've never professed to be, like, a huge Lamar Jackson fan. But it just blows me how people just act like he's just garbage. Like, people act like his MVP is a fluke. Like, he's not the winningest quarterback under the age of 25. Like, it, it just blows me consistently how disrespected, disrespected this man is. And so, ever since I had that conversation, I've been waiting for Dak to show me he was a top 10 quarterback. Last week, he didn't do it against the Colts. It was really the defense in the run game, per usual. And this week, he played like crap. I mean... Overall, had two picks and a fumble that wasn't lost against the Texans. And while I give the Texans credit, defense credit, they're much better than they get than they're known for. But still, come on, Dak, you're top ten quarterback. You got weapons out the wazoo. Why aren't you doing anything with them? So yeah, that was my most disappointing player. Most disappointing player. I'm gonna be real. It's Tom Brady. Yeah, it was bad, bro. Like. Yeah, it was bad. I don't even want to. 34 for 55, 253, a touchdown, and two picks. Yeah, that's not goal worthy, my guy. No, it's not. And there was one play, I think it was fourth and goal, where he had he had Mike Evans open and literally, like, threw it at his foot. Like, there were some very bad throws from Tom Brady. And, of course, because it's Tom, nobody's really going to rag on him. Because it's like, well, he's the GOAT. But, yeah, he looked like anything. But I don't care if he's 45. I don't care if he's, his offensive line is hurt. No. If you set the standard for who you are, you got to play up to that level. And anything else is a disappointment. It was a major disappointment. But, all right, let's go ahead and take a look at the current playoff standings. Because it feels like the playoffs are rapidly approaching. Looking at the AFC uh, the Buffalo Bills still hold on to that number one seed. And if the playoffs ended today, it will be the Chiefs versus Patriots, Ravens versus Dolphins, and still Titans versus Bengals. And honestly, let, let's let have an honest conversation. I While Baltimore right now is in the lead for the AFC North title, on a scale from 1% to 100%, I'm about 70% worried that the Bengals could come and take our spot. With regards to the Titans, you guys still are in the lead for the division, but you guys still got a tough sled of games coming up. And do you, how concerned percentage-wise would you say that you were about maybe the Jags because they seem like the next closest team? 
Let me see what's the Jazz record. And right now they're five and eight. Five and eight, and we're what eight and five. Y'all are seven and six. Seven and six. Uh, I would say I'm I'm like sixty seven as well because yes, I know we have a couple tough games. Like I know we have the Cowboys stuff on our schedule. Um, and that's a tough game, but I know. We also, I think, like, at the end of our schedule, we have a really, really weak schedule. Um, so I would say 60 to 70. I just think it might be one of those situations to where it might be, like, the last game or the second to last game for us to wrap up, lock up the division. Yeah, it's one of – and, of course, Baltimore, we close out the season against Cincinnati – and so I think I could really see that game kind of coming down to whoever wins is going to win the division. I think we both end up in the playoffs unless one of us, like, falls off a cliff, which I don't see that happening. But, like, I want the division, especially after last year where we finished fourth. I want the division, and I want it badly. And if it had to be anybody else in the division, I guess I'd be cool with it being the Bengals. But after last year and how they kicked our butts both times, I want it. And so, but I'll admit, especially with Lamar going down, I am a bit worried about how it's going to shake out, but I'm excited to see how it goes as well. All right, on the NFC side, number one seed, uh, Philadelphia Eagles have already clinched their spot with their latest victory. So playoffs ended today. Here's the matchups. The Vikings versus the Giants, uh, 49ers versus the Commanders, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Dallas Cowboys. Right now, all four NFC uh, East teams are slated to make the playoffs. How many teams do you think, when it's all said and done, will actually make it? Because, like I said, the Eagles are already in. I think Eagles and Cowboys make it, but I have a hard. I could really see the Commanders and Giants kind of falling off. I have more faith in the Commanders than I do the Giants at this point. I definitely think the Giants might fall off um, simply because, like like we talked about earlier, they they don't have playmakers on offense outside of Saquon, and you at least need and you're going to need quarterback play to make the playoffs. Um, and we all know that Danny Jones isn't that guy. Yeah. I realistically think both of them might drop out. I think so too. I think that. Honestly, I wouldn't be mad to see the Lions make the playoffs. I think it'd be fun to kind of see how they'd be able to progress. But, I mean, in a realistic sense, though, I mean, the Giants right now – I mean, not Giants. The Lions are on their heels, and then who else? Seattle is 7-6, and and then – yeah. And then, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. But, I mean, technically the Packers are still in it at 5-8. and And so I think that if push comes to shove, I could see both the Commanders and Giants out. Either way, I could see the Seahawks making it over at least one of them. But I'm not confident all four will make it by the time the season wraps up. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to some league news. There's been interesting signings across the board. First off, unfortunately, Daryl Henderson, Memphis man, has been waived by the Jacksonville Jaguars and as of now has not been claimed so he is still a free agent uh speaking of more free agents after retiring a few months ago Cole Beasley wide receiver decided to return to the NFL and has signed to the Buffalo Bills practice squad and in a name that honestly I forgot all about former Colts wide receiver T.Y. Hilton 
has announced that he has signed a one-year deal with the Dallas Cowboys with a max value of up to $1.5 million, $600, I mean, $600K fully guaranteed. And the, all both of these moves come after a recent interview uh, that OBJ did on the shop with LeBron James where he they asked him about the potential of him playing in a regular season. And he said, I'm not saying I couldn't step in and play in the regular season, but I don't see the point. So let's break this down into two points. One, do you feel like OBJ's latest comments kind of add credibility to his health being worse than everyone thought? And then two, with the moves by the Bills and the Cowboys, do you think they're out of the OBJ running? Um, the first half, I do think that it has some has some validation to his health not being where teams thought it was going to be, and I also just feel like he's at the point where he's like, "Hey, look, if I'm just going to join the team, I'd rather join it close, as close as possible." to the playoffs and just make some magic in the playoffs. Um, because we all know the game of football is a grueling game. And this is his, what, second ACL injury? Mm-hmm. And when you have something like that, maybe you don't want to go, even if it's a quarter of the season, you don't want to go through the vigors of going through that. You very much rather just be like, hey, I'll wait. Sign on to a team kind of late, sit out the last two to three games, um, just to get familiar with the playbook, and then come in the um, come in in the playoffs. You know, I can make an impact. And very kind of similar to what he did with the Rams. Yes, he might, he played a couple games with the Rams, but he didn't play that many. Um, and as far as do I think the the um, Cowboys or the Bills are out of the play um the Odell Smith things. Out the Bills, I think yes, because honestly, the Bills have shown that they don't. In my opinion, I never really. The only reason I feel like it was interesting is because wow. they might need them in case of one of the guys gets hurt than mm-hmm. Von Miller. Because Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKinney and Jamison Crowder have shown that could be a, they're a really good wide receiver. So I didn't understand the need of pursuing out there nearly as much. But the Cowboys, he's Jerry Jones. Like I could see I could see Jerry Jones signing out there the last game of the season and saving him for the playoffs. I'm I i would not be surprised if that happens. Yeah, I'ma answer that second question first. Um yeah, no, I don't I agree with you. I don't think the Bills exactly make too much sense unless he literally would just be there for the playoffs and especially because uh Odell's made it clear like he wants to be somewhere we can sign a long-term deal and kind of like set some roots down and so I don't really see the Bills being a place to do that because they don't need them the Cowboys I think there's a chance but I mean from the like I said the reports about his injuries and then signing T.Y. who like I said nobody has talked about in months I I could see it happening just because, like, wanting that star power. And honestly, I would take Odell and his potential over what you can get from T.Y. at this stage of their careers. So I could still possibly see that. But with regards to the injury, no, I do think it does kind of solidify. Like, it's not a good look. Like, yes, the NFL, very grueling season. I mean, it's very hard on your body. And coming off a second ACL tour, like, yeah, you may not be in a big rush 
to play, but it's still like you got to develop that chemistry. I don't think it's possible to come in one playoff game or a couple, a week or so before a playoff game and all of a sudden just clicking, or at least if you want to play in that playoff game, which I think Odell wants to do. And so I don't see that happening. I, I think it – not say it's a cop-out, but I do think it's more so trying to justify the recent injury reports as opposed to him not wanting to play. Because I think he'd want to play, especially because even if he signs somewhere, he still will have to play next regular season. Like, he, they're not just going to rest him until the playoffs. It doesn't work like that. So I think it'd be better to get some games under his belt, but he just may not physically be able to do so. But right, let's go ahead and move on to some Packers drama couple years ago when they used their first-round pick to draft Utah State's Jordan Love, everybody was wondering what the Green Bay Packers were doing. And now, a couple years later, it seems like they may have a solid plan in place, or at least they did. Uh, we recently saw what he was able to do against the Eagles, where he looked pretty good. And as his stock is beginning to rise, it seems that his patience as a backup is starting to lessen. Reports are coming out that Jordan Love may request a trade if he does not take over the starting Green Bay Packers job this offseason I've been a big proponent proponent of thinking that Aaron Rodgers was going to retire but let's say he doesn't retire but do you think that he Jordan Love actually has any trade leverage or at least enough capital to be a starting quarterback in this league outside of Green Bay um I'll answer it in two parts do I think he has any leverage absolutely not because in his young career so far He's only shown to have one good game on on tape, and that was his recent game against the Eagles. Um, when he played, came in for like PT duty against the Chiefs a couple years ago, he looked bad. In other instances where he came in to kind of um, relieve Aaron Rodgers from injury, he looked bad. So to me, he doesn't have leverage. The only leverage he has is that like if if he were to, like, the only leverage he has is that they don't have anybody just a capable backup behind him. But the package could be like, and also, being real, that doesn't even equate to anything because you're, it's, for one, it's the NFL. Like, unless you're a super seasoned veteran, you, you're not going to just go in and request a trade and then somebody's going to actually honor that request. Look at Elijah Moore this year. He requested a trade. Where is he at? Still on the Jets. Um, to go to the uh, the other half, which is, shoot, what was the other half again? Oh, um, if you think that he could start week one somewhere else next year. If I think he could start week one. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say I can see it would have to be a team that's set up a, ter- a certain type of way. Like, it would have to be a team that kind of can pack, at least have one to two decent wide receivers that can make plays, and they have to have a strong run game. Um, like, a team that I could see off the top, like, think about off the top of my head, is, and they would have to do some work. Is I could see, I could actually see them starting for the Giants over uh, Daniel Jones. I don't I think that while the I think the sample size is too small 
for a team to really be confident in him starting week one. Like, I think if he had a big preseason, like, if he does end up getting traded and he has a big preseason, I can see it happening. Like, for example, in a New York uh, or maybe even a New Orleans. Like, I think it just comes down to which teams – because you wouldn't have to spend a first-round pick on him. I don't think he's that hot of a commodity. I mean, realistically, you may not have to give up more than a four, if we're being honest, unless the Packers really try to bait and switch somebody. But – in terms of him starting week one, I don't see it, and I also don't think he has that much leverage. Like, it'd be one thing if he had, to, like, his one career start was an amazing game. Like, kind of how a few years yeah, back – what'd you say? Talking about Flynn. Yes, exactly. Matt Flynn starts for the uh, Packers in the stead of Aaron Rodgers. Did he throw seven touchdowns that game? Seven or six he touchdowns. Yes, against the Lions. And what did that do? It got him a job in Seattle, which he ended up losing that same offseason to some some random guy named Russell Wilson. But still, like, his one start against Kansas City was not like that at all. And like I said, this the sample size is too small, so I don't see it happening. Not not nothing against Jordan Love. I would I would like to see what he can do with more of an opportunity, but right now I'm just not buying it. All right, let's go ahead and run through this quick game of believable or buffoonery, uh, starting with your Tennessee Titans. In a recent interview with Kay Adams, Titans offensive tackle, Taylor Lewan opened up about his current situation on the team. Uh, he acknowledged that he's likely to be released this offseason due to roster cuts and trying to save cap space. And, but he also added that it would be hard for him to imagine playing anywhere else. So, believable or buffoonery, we have seen the last of Taylor Lewan with the Titans. Believable. Um, I, me personally, I thought last, even though he came back and once he got his footing under him, he showed that he still was a capable player. But I thought the, I thought that they weren't going to resign him um, this past offseason. I thought that was his last season with us. Um, then, and I think now with another um, season-ending injury. And the fact that the Titans, they need some type of infusion of youth from an um, a offensive line standpoint. I think this will be his last um, season. And I definitely think he'll retire because me, you talked about it off air. He already kind of, he basically has his like next career in line as a podcast through a wheel company. I listen to that podcast from time to time. And they're hilarious, and it's a good part. So I definitely think that he'll probably they'll probably release him. He'll just retire and move on to being a full time podcaster. That'll still be probably a, a supremely large supporter of the Titans for sure. Or he could just hype up Michigan because I mean that's where he went to college, and with how good they're playing, I could see him becoming an analyst for somewhere, uh, some news station. So he definitely has options. But I'm in agreement with you. I think. I think it's believable that we are nearing the end. Um, We talked a little bit earlier about Debo Samuel's injury, and following it, I mean, it looked pretty bad. Debo was on the field crying as he was being carted away, holding his knee. Um, And shortly after, Jerry Rice, NFL legend, tweeted out, please stop running our skill players up the middle, at Trey Lance, at Jimmy Garoppolo. Now Debo Samuel all hurt. I know it's not necessarily fair to blame Kyle Shanahan for his team injuries, but believable or buffoonery, Kyle Shanahan is putting his players more so at risk. Um, 
tough runner of the football. And we all know that in the offseason, there was a big reason why he was – a part of the reason why he was ready to leave San Fran is he was like, bro, I don't want to do the wide back road because of the punishment that it puts on my body. And he resigned. They continued to have him kind of be in that wide back road. And now he's hurt. So I definitely think that the – Granted, the versatility of their team and the way that they utilize skilled players is definitely unique from the standpoint of how they can use the ball skill set. But I definitely think it has, it has, I wouldn't say Jimmy or, because Jimmy got hurt off a of sack, right? Yes. So yeah, Jimmy got hurt off a of sack. I would say maybe Trey Lance and Debo are more attributed to kind of them being utilized in the run game, um, something that they aren't really with, they aren't really accustomed to doing because you're adding more pounding on their bodies. I'm going to say buffoonery just because, like, injuries can happen at any time. And so I'm, I'm going to – I mean, you teams run up the middle all the time. Unfortunately, it was just in the case of – Jimmy G and Debo and Trey, like, that's how they got hurt. But, I mean, I can count in every game running quarterbacks and wide receivers, et cetera, always, and running backs, of course, are always running up the middle and, like, they don't get hurt. So, I don't I don't necessarily put it on Kyle Shanahan, but I think it does, like, bear looking into that system because while they are so versatile and they have players do a little bit of everything, I'm sure it does take a bit more of a toll on their bodies as opposed to if they were just doing one set thing. So I think that does bear looking at, but I'm I don't think it's I don't think I could really put that on Kyle Shanahan. But all right, let's go ahead and move on. So Sunday night football, you talked about it, how good the Chargers can be when they're healthy, and that is in big part to Justin Herbert, who as we all know was taking one pick after Tua Tungabaloa was drafted by the Miami Dolphins. Prior to the season, there was a lot well, prior yeah, prior to the season, a lot of talk was made about Justin Herbert arguably being the best quarterback of the 2020 class, which is big cap because that's obviously Joe Burrow. But a lot of people believe that Tua Tungabailoa has been a shining star this year too. But with last this past Sunday night's game, believable or buffoonery, the Dolphins would be better off with Justin Herbert as their starting quarterback instead of Tua. As of now, I believe they're, what, 8-5. and five. They've lost their last two. But let's not take anything away from Tua. I mean, as before these past two games, he's been playing really well. Do I think they'll be better with Jay Hurd? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say yes. Um, and it's not, I think overall, just overall skill set, I think Justin Herbert is just a better quarterback. Like, he has a better arm. He has the better um, physical tools. I do think that too is a more accurate quarterback than Justin Herbert. But when you think about, and I know he's throwing a lot of deep balls this season because of uh, Tyreek and Jalen, but I just think about having a dude with the arm strength and the arm talent of Justin Herbert paired with a Tyreek Hill. And, like, in my opinion, that could be the second closest thing that we could have seen to him and Patrick, because we all know that Patrick Mahomes had a great arm strength and great arm talent. So I 
I would say yes. Um, I think that they would they would have been a better team with Justin Herbert. But I also think that if being realistically speaking, if they were to have drafted Justin Herbert, I don't think that they would have the team that they have now because they might have had a little bit more success early on, so they probably wouldn't have made the moves that they made to get like Tyreek Hill and Bradley to yeah, I'm gonna say I'm I'm on the fence about it because, like I said, like I don't want to take anything away from Tua because Tua has had a really good year overall. But it's like Justin Herbert is a better quarterback, and I like you said. I mean, he has all the physical tools, and the only issue is he's not he hasn't done anything. Like for all the numbers and all the flash, he has not won a thing. Tua hasn't won anything either, so I'm not putting him in this category. But like. You look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow led his team to a Super Bowl, second fully healthy season. Right now looks like a top three quarterback in the league. I'll argue that case with anybody. Fast forward to Justin Herbert. Sure, he run rookie of the year, but he hasn't made the playoffs. I think his best record is like 9-8, and 8-8, eight, eight and eight, something like that. And sure, you can attribute it to injuries around him, but like while he's putting up these crazy numbers, he's not exactly getting his team over the hump. Tua, this is the first year he's really done anything, and Jalen Hurts right now looks like an MVP favorite. And I think if we're stacking resumes, Tua looks the, the weakest. And so I think if you were to put – Justin Herbert around the talent that they have, I I think they would be in a better position. All right, last question. This isn't a believable or a buffoonery, but it's more of a what's more likely. Um, prior to Sunday's game, reports were coming out that from Ian Rappaport that Tom Brady was considering all options ahead of free agency this season. While it is likely he could return to Tampa Bay, he could also sign with the new team or – officially retire and go into broadcasting so in your opinion what do you think is more likely tom brady retiring or leaving tampa and signing with the new team oh i think it's more likely that he retires i think given his and i think it's a two it's a compounding thing given his on the field play being um, decreasing to a standard that he hasn't, that he isn't used to. Um, he isn't the flag bearer of quarterbacks, at least for these coming, these past couple of seasons, and this one in particular. And then just all the off the field stuff. Like, this man is the divorced from his wife, and one of the key reasons his wife said that she wanted a divorce was because he wasn't spending time with his family because of football. Um, and I think we've all seen the mental effect that he's had on him this season. He's had a couple outbursts of frustration with in press conferences and all of those things. And I think he might just while he while he can even though he probably won't go out as a winner on top, he still has the opportunity to retire this season and still be have like it really only have one bad season on his resume that everybody gonna forget and they'll just remember all the good that he did. I think it's more likely he goes somewhere else. Just because I think I don't think Tom Brady wants to go out mediocre. Like, even though it didn't seem like he wanted to go out a winner either, but like I just think that 
Like, right now, I think the Bucks still make the playoffs. Like, just because the NFC South is terrible. So, I think they kind of get in by default. But I feel like if it's one of those cases where, let's say they host the Cowboys and they get blown out, I don't think he wants the last memory of Tom Brady to be that. And so, even though I think he ends up staying in Tampa and he just, like, drills in them to get a better offensive line and, like, fix certain things, I don't. I, I could see him signing somewhere else before retiring, especially because, I mean, you and I kind of talked about this off air. I mean, it's not like he it's not like he has a wife, like, pressuring him to retire. It's not like he already – that ship has already sailed. So, I mean, he could play for as long as he wants to now. And I could see him doing it more than I could see him retiring. Or if he does retire, I honestly could see it being another situation. Like, actually, nah, I'd rather play. And then just end up signing back with Tampa. But, all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks for week – 15 starting with Thursday night football San Francisco 49ers versus the Seattle Seahawks I will actually be in the 49ers hood but they're gonna be playing on the road so it's not like I'd be going to the game with that being said I got 49ers yeah I got 49ers Minnesota Vikings needing a win against the Indianapolis Colts to clinch the NFC North I think they pull it off yeah this uh I feel like this a lady honestly I got Vikings Baltimore Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns. Honestly, I hope Tyler Huntley plays. It seems like Tyler Huntley's going to play. Also, screw the Steelers for hurting Tyler Huntley. But either way, I'm picking Baltimore because I don't want to pick the Browns for anything. And also, we're better than the Browns. So. What happened to Tyler Huntley? Okay, so he was scrambling and he got hit by uh, – he got hit in the sh- with his shoulder by Minka Fitzpatrick and his, like, head kind of cocked back. So he was put in concussion protocol. And that happened, like – Third quarter, I believe. Second or third quarter, he didn't come back in the game. So, I didn't, he hasn't been ruled out for this week, so I'm hoping that means he plays. Yeah. But, yeah, so. Okay. Uh, but I got y'all. I got Raiders. Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins. Well, Miami, I hope you had fun, but I got Bills. Uh, yeah, I got Bills. I was about to be controversial, but I don't see the point in going. Yeah, I mean – the Dolphins just don't look good. Unless they're putting up crazy offensive numbers, it's just been ugly. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be a blowout, but I, I don't see them winning. Uh, New Orleans Saints versus the Atlanta Falcons. Rookie quarterback against a solid Saints defense. I'm going Saints. I'm going Saints as well. Battle of the Russian quarterbacks. We got Jalen Hurts and the Eagles versus Justin Fields and the Bears. While I think Justin Fields will probably rush for a ton of yards, it doesn't matter because I got Eagles by at least Two touchdowns. Yeah, I got Eagles by two touchdowns as well. Dallas Cowboys versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this is going to be another one that comes down to the wire, and I'm actually kind of pulling for the Jags, but I got Cowboys. This is tough because the Titans fan in me wants the Cowboys to win so they we can keep our playoff position because if we play the Chargers this week, uh. All right, moving on to the Detroit Lions versus the New York Jets. I got Lions. I mean, no disrespect to Mike White. I mean, I hope he's doing okay because he was getting ragged and tagged all game against Buffalo. But, I mean, even if he does come out healthy, I think the Lions are a bit too hot right now. Did you see the hit that they did on Gary Wilson out back? Yeah, and then they didn't throw a flag. Did you see the Did you see the tweet he said about that, what the ref said to him? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, that should have been a flag, though. But, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Point. But I got, uh, I got, uh, dang it. Lions and uh, Jets. 
Lions and Jets. I got Lions. My memory is terrible. It's okay. Mine is too. Pittsburgh Steelers versus the uh, Carolina Panthers. If I flip a coin, I think I'm going to go Steelers. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to have to start. And if he does, God bless because he played terrible last week. I got Pittsburgh and I need to. They need to just run him out of the city. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm not complaining. I mean, if you want to throw three picks, I'm never going to be mad about it. But, yeah, it was terrible. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Houston Texans. Chiefs got to bounce back. I got Kansas City. Chiefs by 1,000. Raiders versus the New England Patriots. Josh McDaniels gets to face his former team. Um, I, I don't feel comfortable picking the Raiders, and I don't trust the Patriots. I think I'm going to go Raiders, but I'm not confident in that decision. I'm confident in picking the Patriots in these games because, like I said earlier, Josh McDaniels is not a head coach. No, he's not. Uh, Bron- Denver Broncos hosting the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going Broncos if Russ plays. Uh, I highly doubt Russ play. And we all know that Kyle isn't playing. Uh, I'm going to go Arizona. That's fair. That's fair. They still have a better team than the Broncos. But I, I said D-Hop this past week going against the Patriots. But Pastor Tans looked a lot better. So we'll see, but I'm I'm just, I'm gonna ride it out with the Broncos if Russ plays. Uh, Kansas City, I'm sorry, not Kansas City. Los Angeles Chargers versus your Tennessee Titans. I gotta go Chargers. I don't. If these receiving core is healthy, I don't see this uh, Titans secondary be able to handle it. Yeah, we finna get cooked. So I'm going Chargers. I'm just calling a spade a spade. That's fair. Kind of like how you were talking about the Cowboys and Jags game. How the Titans fan in you wanted to pick the Cowboys, but you still went, but you still could see the Jags doing it. That's how I feel about this Bengals and Bucks game. You know I love me some Joey B. Jamar Chase is my guy. However, for playoff reasons, I need the Bengals to lose, but I don't think that's going to happen. The Bucks offense can't hang. I got Bengals. Yeah, I got Bengals as well. Sunday Night Football, Washington Commanders hosting the New York Giants. I got Commanders. They tied last time. This game sucks. Uh, I got commanders. All right, and then Monday Night Football, the Green Bay Packers coming off of their bye and hosting the Los Angeles Rams. I got Packers. (sighs) These games are so bad. Uh, I'm going to pick Packers because I'll – I also just don't want Baker Mayfield to get any more success so people can start acting like he actually was a good quarterback. Because he, he wasn't. I saw a tweet that was like, I'm sure Browns fans are regretting trading him. And don't get me wrong, Deshaun Watson is a predator. He's gross, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think any Browns fans are missing him. Yeah, no. All right, let's go ahead and talk the offensive, defensive, and rookies we are watching this week. Offensively, I am watching J.K. Dobbins. He was a very close second for me in terms of my most impressive offensive player. After missing several games, came out against Steelers, rushed for 120 yards and a touchdown. I'm not saying he has to do that for us to beat the Browns, but I want to see how he can continue to bounce back from that knee injury as he continues to get better. Yeah, 
Uh, for me, I'm gonna be real. My offensive player of the week is also because of petty reasons. My offensive player of the week is uh, Trevor Lawrence. I want to see if you're gonna have a good game against a good pass rush and a somewhat good defense. I, I want you to lose because I want to keep. I want. I want my team to stay in the playoffs. It's just that crazy thing. Like each every other week, like Baltimore demolished them. Lions play bad. Titans look good. So if we're following that trend, he should play like crap. But who knows? Uh, my defensive player is Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle for the Miami Dolphins, had a day this past Sunday against the Chargers. And I think Jeffrey Simmons is going to have to do that. I talked about the Titans secondary and what they're going to have to rely on is their pass rush to give them some help. And I think Jeffrey Simmons can definitely do that, but he's going to have to do it all night in order for the Titans to pull out this win. Mine is actually the combination of Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byron. Um, Jeffrey Simmons, like you said, we need, we're going to need constant pressure on Justin Herbert to help the secondary. And Kevin Byron is the leader of the secondary and a really good safety. Just need a couple plays. Maybe a pick six. My help was play on W. So I'm looking at both of those guys. Yeah, you can never go wrong with a pick six, or at least when your team gets one. All right, my rookie I'm watching, this might be the first time I've shouted this dude out, but I'm going Rashad Wright, White, running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks' run game has been atrocious this year, and while Lenny, playoff Lenny has had some moments, Rashad White has had some moments, it has not been consistent. You know that the Bengals, if they're healthy, are going to be able to sling it across the yard. Even if they're not totally healthy, long as Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are on the field, they're going to make some plays. And I think that a key part of the Bucks staying in it is establishing a run game, getting that time of possession up, so it's not all going to be on Tom Brady and those wideouts. So Rashad White has to have a big week. My rookie of the week, got to go with Brock Purdy. Is the, uh, is the um, success story going to continue, or is it going to end soon? Yeah, I mean, they play Seattle's defense, which is solid, but, I mean, I think they'll be okay. And um, team call-outs, Baltimore, I'm at your head. One, because we got to keep winning to hold off the Bengals. Two, because you know how I feel about Deshaun Watson – we got some pressure, but we weren't totally able to wrap up this past week. Let's wrap that up. Let's finish that because I don't want I don't want this I don't want him, Deshaun Watson becoming the quote unquote magician. I don't want Browns fans having any hope thinking they're going to make the playoffs. Let's go ahead and slam the door on those hopes. Let's slam the door on their hopes of thinking they're going to win this division. This is our year. This is our division. Baltimore, handle your business, please. Same on calling now. You are know. We're going back-to-back homers. I'm going with the Titans. Like, I miss the day. Like, it's funny because it was happening earlier this season, but I miss the times where it's like, I need the Titans to have that, like, season-turning victory that they've had these past couple of seasons. Like, where you're going up against a good team with a good quarterback, you're down, guys, and you look up, and the score is like 27 to 17, and it was a hard fall game, a physical fall game. I need the Titans to pull one of those type of victories out this Sunday. Yeah, oh, for sure, because, um, yeah, I mean, 
these games get so much more stressful the later in the year it is. And, I mean, we only got, what, four more regular season weeks? It's time's flying by. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, who was still pretty early in their season. Let's hype up our Mambas of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, who you got? One, Joel and B. Because since he's come back from injury, that man has been looking like a 2K my player. Yeah, you and I are in agreement. I also had Joel and B just had that monster game a night or two ago. Uh, my Western Mamba of the week is going to go to Damian Lillard, another guy who, since coming back from injury, has been going crazy. Just dropped 38 last night, had 11 threes through the third quarter. But, I mean, it's not all about three-pointers, but, I mean, he looks like he never left. He looks amazing. Um, My Western, and it might be for the third week in a row, is Zion. Um, yeah, this weekend they had two – 35-point performances where I think he already missed the most four shots in both of those games. Um, and in my opinion, had one of the greatest, like, heavy moments with the Suns when he did the 360 at the end of the game. So, yeah, I got to go with Zion. All right. And then my uh, rookie Mamba of the week, Paolo Benchero. I mean, for obvious reasons. Yes, it's, I like, unless you get an explosive game out of Jaden Ivey, which he has been looking really pedestrian lately, it's going to just be Paolo. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about the K. Cunningham injury, but I think I could see that changing for Jaden Ivey. I think he's going to have a lot more responsibilities uh, asked of him. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our top three takeaways of the week. Ethan, what's your number three? Top three takeaways. Um... We, we talked about it, but the, the, the Desmond Bain injury and the significance of it, I think, could play a huge, a huge role in the um, in the playoff picture for not even just the West, but the NBA as a whole. Because we, we all know that he's being reevaluated, so he'll be gone. He'll be out for maybe another three or four weeks. And if he's if it doesn't heal properly and heal well, it might end up being a season-ending injury. And I think the Grizzlies will still be a top team in the West. But I think if we were able, if there were a way to get a healthy job, healthy Davis, and healthy Jared, and everybody else stays in relative health, I think the Grizzlies could end up, would end up being the number one seed in the West. And if Davis were to miss the rest of the season, I still would think still probably would see them being like the third or fourth best team in the West record rise. But in the playoffs, that's where I would see it make the biggest difference because Davis just faces the floor so well for Ja, and now he's able to make plays off the dribble. So I think this this a big um, burning question for the Grizzlies and the NBA. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always injuries. Mine is also injury-related, and it's also for my favorite team. But is it too much to ask for a healthy Lakers team? I mean, when AD was healthy, especially within the last couple of weeks, he has looked like an absolute monster. LeBron just looked like a monster in this past game against the Pistons. And then Russell Westbrook has really seen a fine new life coming off of the bench. If I could just get a month 
which I know is a lot to ask for, but just of all of them on the court at the same time, I think that that's when, one, we'd be able to get more chemistry together. Two, we would honestly start to play, start playing up to our potential. And then three, I still don't think we're going to win a championship or anything, but I do think we're going to be able to really contend. Like, we can destroy these not good teams any just about any week. However, when it comes to the top contenders, when you're facing the Celtics or the Grizzlies or the Warriors or teams like that, like, we just cannot get it done. I think that the healthier we get, the better we'll be when we face that tougher competition. Um, my number two is... The Warriors show that when the old when the old dogs lock in, they still have a lot of fight. Um, they played the Celtics in a highly anticipated finals rematch, and it went in a way that I don't think anybody thought. Just given how the season went, seeing as how the Celtics were, um, seeing as how the Celtics are actually one, basically the hottest and best team in the NBA, and the Warriors. They have shown signs of struggling this whole season to get get on a good winning streak. But that game, like, you can tell that it was just one of those games where the Warriors, they just locked in. And they said, we're going to show that we still, we still have that fight in us. And they, they blew them boys out. Yeah. No, it was not pretty. Uh, my number two is... It feels like DeMar DeRozan is auditioning for another team. Like, the past three games, he scored at least 27 points, gotten seven or more boards, four or more assists. Like, he's really putting on some terrific performances and shooting from the field rather efficiently. However, we're going to get to the Bulls roster outlook in a bit, but it just feels like, not to say it's being wasted, but it just feels like it's, it's not really making the team better. And it's like... DeMar is showing that he could still be a key offensive addition, but I just think it's kind of, it's not being, not necessarily unappreciated, but it's just not leading to any success in Chicago. So it just feels like it's only a matter of time before he's going to be on the move. Yeah, my number one, um, I'm going back to the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns should should worry less about Zion Williams and Duncan with three seconds left on the clock. And worry more about their defense. Um, they've lost, if I'm not mistaken, they lost. They lost five to six games, and in those five to six games, every team has put up close to 120 points. And this is a Phoenix Suns team that, honestly, at the beginning of the month, they were the number one seed in the Western Conference, and that now. They falling from grace. So, yeah, and I got a lot of a lot of thoughts about the songs just because of all the stuff, shenanigans they did this weekend. But that's the that's the key thing of like instead of worrying about what your opponent does, worry about playing defense and trying to win the game. Mine is very close to yours. It's uh, the Suns' hypocrisy is laughable. Like, Cam campaign wants to get on and talk about how disrespectful it was for Zion to do that last second dunk. But it's like, let's not act like y'all literally did not just do the same thing in the playoffs. Let's not act like you have one of the dirtiest players in the NBA today on your current roster. Stop it. Like, like you said, like there's much bigger things to worry about than that. But it's just the fact that they really are trying to go on this stampede of 
it was so of how wrong it was for Zion to do that as if they don't routinely do that same thing. Like, shut up, Phoenix. It's 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 a joke. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to some league news. We still got about a couple months until the NBA trade deadline, but quite a few names have been brought up. And so to help out and clear up some of the confusion, we're going to find home for some NBA trade uh, prospects, starting off with John Collins. Now, last week you and I talked about the prospect of him being traded to Brooklyn. However, there are other teams seemingly in the mix, such as the Utah Jazz, Washington Wizards, and Dallas Mavericks. Of those teams, which one do you think would be the best fit for J- JC? Dallas Mavericks. Um, because his, like, his game will change like well with Luka. Because he doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands a lot to be an effective player. He runs a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop, which are young. He can do with Luka as well. And his skill set can, like, it just, I feel like he's just a good fit because he's a capable three point shooter. You can throw him in. He could be a small ball, five, if you need to go small. Um, so I would say Dallas. Yep, you and I are already in agreement. I also have Dallas. All right, another guy who was thought to be would have been traded by this point, but Jay Crowder, power forward, veteran, hard-nosed guy. His name has kind of been brought up with a lot of teams, whether it be the Heat, some Grizzlies talks, even some Mavericks talks. But what team do you think would be the best fit for him? Um, I'm, I'm going to give you two. The first is I'm gonna say the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I think he can pair well with the Bucks simply because he could feel that role that PJ Tucker filled when he was on the Bucks when they won the championship. Because he could be another tough, hard-nosed defender, um, a capable three-point shooter. He can just kind of bring an edge to the team, and I think that that's been like they're still a really good team. But I think that's the one thing that they missed. Like, yes, they have Bobby Portis, and we know about Bobby Portis, but he, I think they just, they're missing another, like, enforcer slash, I'm going to get in your face type of person. And uh, my uh, the other answer is the Grizzlies, because, yes, we are a young and exciting team, but I think one of the things that we, we need is, especially when it gets down to the playoffs, is we're going to need veteran leadership. Um, because I think the longest tenured player, um, Stephen Adams has played the most in the league, but Stephen Adams isn't a guy that you're going to look at in the locker room and like give a heart a heart pounding speech or like calling people out. And a lot of the guys on our team, they aren't those like outside of Dylan, but they aren't. He isn't. He doesn't have that much experience because he experienced everything with the team himself. But I think Jay could be that guy where he might not play as much, but he could serve like a Udonis Adams type role. He already connected with the team in the years that he played there previously. I'm gonna go with the Miami Heat. I think that. While they're struggling right now, I think one thing that no one can deny is that the Miami Heat have attitude, and they're going to give you their all 
as much as they can. Unfortunately, they've been hurt a lot this year, so they haven't really been able to have a cohesive unit on the court at the same time. But I think that Jay Crowder kind of fits that mold of the guys that they look towards and the guys that they really like having in tow because, like I said, they help to set the tone not only offensively but defensively. Jay Crowder is still a big defensive president in that post, which is something that I think that Miami he could definitely utilize. So I would say Miami. All right, so for this next one, it's not exactly – a player, but it's for the Lakers. Of course, they're in trade conversations. The Lakers are always in trade conversations. However, there are three players that the team has honed in on, and that is Bohan Bekdanovic of the Pistons, Cam Reddish from the Knicks, and Evan Fournier of the Knicks as well. Of those three players, which one do you think the Lakers should go after? You said Bohdanovic from the Pistons. Cam Reddish, and then Evan Fournier. Um... I would say honestly, both um, Bogdanovich, because he's he's another veteran guy. He's a really really good shooter. He he's played in big meaningful games, and he like he's another scorer. And like you want to just like you can take some of the pressure off. Like say you want to take some of the pressure off LeBron because AD is going. Berserk, and like you might need somebody else to step up. Like Bogdanovich is proving that he can do that. You don't get there from Evan Fournier or Cam Reddish. I'm gonna go. I'll say Cam Reddish. I think a criticism of the Lakers that still is kind of founded is the fact that while they're not as old as they were last year, like they still just the youth to veteran ratio is still pretty out of whack and unfortunately the young guys really aren't doing anything Kendrick Nunn has been a non-factor Lonnie Walker another guy and I think getting Cam Reddish while it kind of goes to that conversation of proven or potential if you get both you already know what you're getting I mean he's been playing lights out this year but he's also an older guy you don't know how long he's going to stay around and plus he just signed a contract extension that was pretty hefty whereas with Cam Reddish I mean it's back-to-back teams that he's been on where he hasn't gotten much of an opportunity and we've seen what he could do it just hasn't parlayed to get invaluable minutes and while of course in LA he's not going to be a starter I do think that he will make the most of that opportunity I think he provides the Lakers with a spark that we really haven't had from our younger guys so I would say Cam Reddish but I wouldn't be mad about getting Bo. Long as it's not Evan Fournier. Hard pass for me on that one. But the other two, I'll take. But all right, let's go ahead and move on again. Talked about it just a second ago. But, I mean, pundits have been ragging hard on the both the Miami Dolphins and the Chicago Bulls after both teams have had disappointing starts to the season. For example, right now, the Miami Heat are the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference with a 13-15 and 15 record, while the Chicago Bulls are 11-15. and 15, Um and 11th in the conference. Um, and it's funny because both have had pundits calling for them to blow it up. For example, Charles Barkley said it might be time to break the team up and start over when referring to the Miami Heat. And then Eric Pincus said, everyone is watching Chicago very closely, one source said. They're so poorly constructed, they need to blow it up. So, Ethan, between the Heat and the Bulls, which ones do you think most need to go into rebuild mode? I think the Bulls, simply because a lot of their pieces don't make sense. Uh, like, unlike the Heat, the Heat just probably reached the point where they're an older veteran team. They have some pieces that probably do need to um, need to be removed, i.e. Kyle Lowry. But we all know that we can look up 
maybe if you've been putting up better numbers recently, but it took him like superhuman efforts all last season for the Bulls to be relevant. Um, Zach Levine is extremely talented, but he he really he's often injured. Lonzo Ball, who is a good, I think is a good fit for that team, but we don't know when he's going to touch the the court. Um, and then you have some other guys that really like um, what's his name, Patrick Williams, the mm-hmm. power forward, who can show promise as a defensive player, but he can't do anything offensively. So in the NBA where you need as much three-point shooting as possible, you have DeMar DeRozan, who is in a three-point shooter, and you have a power forward that isn't that doesn't shoot at all. So I would I would have to go with the Bulls because they're they just they they just need to fix the roster. Yeah, I I couldn't say it better than myself. All right, so let's let's get into some fantasy. Fantasy GM hats on. Let's say for the sake of conversation, both teams decide to blow it up, and you have an opportunity to get one player from each squad. Who would they be? One player from each squad on the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, from the Heat, I'm going with Bam. And from the Bulls. That's tough. From the Bulls, I'm going to ask Caruso. That's fair. I, from the Heat, I'm going to say Tyler Hero. Kind of the same stuff I was talking about with um with regards to Cam Reddish. I mean, Tyler Hero's done it on a more proven basis, and plus we still need a freaking two-guard. I think he could come in and provide some much-needing scoring, especially from long range that we have not had. But from the Bulls... Originally, I had Zach Levine, but then it's like, if I have Tyler Harrell, I don't need Zach Levine. So, I'm actually going to say Lonzo Ball with the caveat of, of course, him being healthy. You and I talked about this off air of, like, what exactly his injury status is because, I mean, it seems to be ever-changing. But when he is healthy, I do think that he could play a really big role in helping to distribute the ball. Now, of course, with LeBron on the court, I mean, I'm sure LeBron would still primarily, you know, draw the ball up court, kind of run that point guard role but I mean even if Lonzo was just coming off the bench I mean I think he would provide a major boost and plus what he's been able to do defensively and the steps he's made offensively in his scoring I think that it would be a major get to get him back in LA but I don't think either of those things are going to happen but it's fun to dream but speaking of dreams the NFL I mean the NBA has been pretty pretty aware of trying to make change and trying to find ways to highlight and acknowledge their stars of the past. For example, with the passing of Bill Russell, they have posthumously retired the number six jersey. After this year, nobody else is going to be able to wear it. And also, every team has a number six emblem on their jerseys. In addition to that, it came out today that they have announced new awards named after NBA legends. For example, MVP will now be named the Michael Jordan Award. Uh, the Clutch Player of the Year will be named the Jerry West Trophy. Uh, Rookie of the Year will be named the Wilt Chamberlain Trophy. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Hakeem Olajuwon Trophy. And Sixth Man of the Year will be John Havilek Trophy, with the Most Improved Player of the Year being the George Mikan Trophy. Ethan, what are your thoughts on these new redesign? And do you think any players may have got snubbed by the names? Uh, Well, I think the new designs are cool. 
cocaine. Being, being cocaine makes sense. The sixth man of the year award being named after Jerry West doesn't make sense because they're the my dog is Jerry West. Jerry West got a uh, clutch player. No, that's right. Uh, John Havlick got a uh, six man. John Havlick, okay. So he, I think he did come off the bench, so that does make sense. Um, the clutch player, I'm not gonna lie, just that award, talk period, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like that's the only out of the out of this whole structure. I think that's the only deal. Cause it's like, so how are you going to determine who's the closest player or put them in the category of being the closest player? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, like um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but kind of like you were saying, like would it be like who hit the most game winners or who had yeah. the biggest game winner? Like, there's what would the criteria be for that? It just it just doesn't make sense. Um. I honestly, the sixth man of the year, I'm going to be honest. I understand that John Havlicek is a legend of the game. I just want to name it after him. I would have named it after Jamal Crawford or Manu Ginobili because in my opinion, those are the two greatest six men of the year. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, and also, who, if I think, who do I think got snubbed? The only name that I could think of is Kareem. I just don't know what award I would give him. I'll admit, Jerry West is great, but, you know, if y'all just want to put Kobe. I understand Kobe is like the all-star game MVP, but in truth, if I had to pick between the two, I'd rather, like, be a clutch player of the year. Like, I'd rather that be named after me. But, I mean... I guess you can't really double up, but that would probably be my only snub. Kareem would be a great one. I think the only one he'd probably, like, be maybe MVP. But, I mean, it's hard to go against Jordan. But the other ones I get, like, I think Manu and Jamal Crawford definitely have an argument. I think Jamal probably what was going against it was he's not in the Hall of Fame. So, that would probably do it. But either way, I think it's still cool. But all right, one more piece before we go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery. I talked about it a little bit earlier, and Ethan, you did as well. Just the Phoenix uh, Suns clear outrage against Zion after he decided to do a 360 windmill dunk in the closing sex. So uh, closing sex uh, seconds. I can't even talk. Closing seconds of the uh, Pelicans' victory over the Suns. Campaign following the game said there was no sportsmanship. That game was over. They can hold the ball. In response, Zion said, that was a little out of character for me, but you got to understand, they sent my teammates home last year. Fun fact, that wasn't the only game that had that sort of frustration. Um, and Rudy Gobert's return to Utah, he had a pretty big game. and But in the final seconds, he scored a late basket, which Malik Beasley said, just res- disrespectful. It's one of the unwritten rules of basketball. There are unwritten rules in every sport, and I get that. But do you think that scoring in the final seconds of the games is really a big deal? No. Especially, I don't think so. Especially given the case that the game is already determined. Yeah. Like, obviously we know the game is on the line and you're going to, uh, you're going to play it out. But if the game, if somebody trying to, you know, pad their stats and you want to get a layup or a three before the game over with, 
since last since the playoffs. Like we, I watched a lot of the playoff series of the Suns and the Pels last year, last postseason relevance, and um, it was a chippy, chippy series. Jose Alvarado was getting the CP3s, uh, had a little bit, had some chippies, also had the Suns do some of the very stuff, the same stuff that they talked talk about, which is they uh, did some stuff in the back series where they scored with like 10 seconds left on the clock and the game was over. So, but to answer the question, bro, I do not care. If you want to score, score. At that point, if I ain't got nothing else to play for, it is what it is. Yeah, I don't really think it's that deep. I mean, as long as you're not trying to make an example out of me and put me on a poster, I don't think it's that deep. Like, because the only thing it really goes to is, like, share the final score and, like, maybe you guys like defense or rating or, you know, average points per game. But, I mean, let's be honest, defense and the importance of it has been waning over the years. So, I don't think it's that deep. Like you said, especially if it's a blowout, like, you already lost. What's an extra bucket? Like, get over. It's not that deep. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery. Um, earlier this week, it was announced that a uh, sophomore guard for the Detroit Pistons, Kay Cunningham, was be out for the rest of the year after suffering, I mean, after getting season-ending surgery on his left shin, which unfortunately, like I said, ends this year and kind of leaves the Detroit Pistons in a bit of a bind. Despite being 7-22, and still pretty early in the season, stranger things have happened, right? But you mentioned Jaden Ivey earlier, but believable or buffoonery, Jaden Ivey has a chance to win Rookie of the Year now that he is the face of the team. I'm going to say buffoonery simply because Paolo has shown that he's a head and here above every other rookie as far as like the level of player that he is. I think Jaden Ivey, He's going to have flashes and he's going to have moments. But I've watched, like, for instance, I watched the game when he played against um, the Grizzlies. And you saw flashes. Like, it was, I think, the first play of the game, he stole he stole, he, he stole the ball from John right down the court and had an athletic dunk. And then it was, like, other moments where he wasn't properly pacing himself and he was driving in the traffic and doing things that you could see. Like, you could tell that he was pressing. And I think a lot, and I know a lot of it had to come from him playing with job. But you can see, I've also seen other moments from, like, randomly watching Detroit where he's done it in other games as well. Yeah, I'm going to say buffoonery, too. I think that... I think Paolo has gotten out to such a good head start that it's going to be not impossible, but somebody is going to have to go on the ridiculous tear for the latter part of this season in order for them to have a shot. Because as of right now, I just don't, I, I don't see it happening. All right, okay, continuing on, LeBron James. We already know that he wants to play with his sons once they get to the league. But Dennis Schroeder, his teammate, said he expects LeBron to play even longer than that. Uh, Schroeder said that LeBron told him that he wants to play five to seven more years and then retire at 45. That's a real long time to play, and I think we're seeing with Tom Brady, that's not always the best idea. But believable or buffoonery, LeBron James will play until he's 45. I'm calling buffoonery. I'm going to say buffoonery. 
I'm saying that is because, well, I'm torn. I'll say it like this. I'll say it's believable if at some point he knows that he won't be a top player on the team. Like, if we could get, if we could, if we could look up in three to four years, LeBron still playing, and he's willing to himself being somewhat of a role player on the team, I can see him playing the 45 because we all know the type of athlete that he is, even in his earlier, not earlier, but later years of life. Um, so I can see it. I mean, we know the, the type of condition that he, um, like the way that he takes care of his body. Yes, I know he's had um, injuries pop up now more frequently than he has in the past, but if your road reduced and you take care of your body, you might can pull it off. I, I'll say this. I don't think he would take a reduction in role unless he was playing with his sons. Like, if I'm taking a backseat or if I'm riding the bench so my sons get shined, okay, but I don't think he'd do it for anybody else. All right, moving on to more NBA vets. This was an interesting tweet I found. It said, John Wall, Blake Griffin, Kevin Love all have game and contribute nightly. Kimball will, too, if given minutes. This is why IT, Boogie, and Melo should be out there, too. The league is going young, but these vet stars can still be valuable in spurts. Believable or buffoonery, the NBA needs to give more NBA, needs to give more vets a shot. Uh, that's signing but I don't I think his contribution would be pretty limited IT I would love seeing him back in the league just because I mean he's probably one of just the best stories that the league has had in a long time and then Boogie yeah for sure I'm surprised Boogie hasn't been signed yet I mean especially because last year when he was with the Bucks he was really productive same for the Nuggets I it still kind of blows me that he doesn't have a job so I do think that given the opportunity I think that he would be able to do really well all right last question before we make our night picks and get our game picks and get out of here. In a recent uh, episode of the Max Style podcast, Allen Iverson was asked about his dream teammate or the player that he wished he played with. And he said, Draymond Green is the teammate that I dream about. While everybody a few months ago was talking about him punching Jordan Poole in the face, I don't think anybody can deny that the, that the man does a bit of everything on the court. So believable or buffoonery, Draymond Green is the perfect teammate. Honestly, I'm going to say yes because when you when you look at him and you look at his career, he never he always plays within himself. He never tries to do anything 
that he knows that he's not capable of doing. He's a great leader. He plays defense, something that every a lot of people don't want to do. He is a winning and good passer, and you know that he's always going to have your back. And he's going and yes, he can have like those outbursts of of getting into a rush and things of those natures. But and yes, he punched Jordan Poole. Okay, but over the course of his career, I would say yes. Yeah, I would say believable as well, especially because like I don't think. Has he, aside from the whole KD situation, he has always rolled for his teammates. He is always their biggest cheerleader, always rooting for him. And you know he's going to stand up for you no matter what. And I think that's something that absolutely should be recognized. Now, sure, he may not be the most popular guy or he may not put up the craziest numbers, but, I mean, like you said, he knows his role. He knows what he brings to a team. And, I mean, like you said, his leadership is invaluable. So, I say believable. I mean, long as you avoid fighting him, I mean, I think, I think everything will be sweet. But, all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks for tonight, starting with the Sacramento Kings heading to Philly to take on the 76ers. I got 76ers. I got Philly. Golden State Warriors versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I believe Giannis is playing, and if that's the case, I got Bucks. Yeah, if Giannis playing, I got Milwaukee too. Phoenix Suns versus the Houston Rockets. I got Suns getting out of the slump. Suns. New Orleans Pelicans versus the Utah Jazz. I got Pelicans. And it's the rivalry between the Boston Celtics versus my Los Angeles Lakers. Unfortunately, the Lakers are going to lose this game. I got Celtics. Um, Is LeBron playing? I think so. Hmm. I think I might go Lakers. Okay. I respect it. All right. That is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Free episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The Export. Ethan, anything you want to say before we close out this bad boy? So I, now, so I know why they named the six man of the year award after John Havlicek. Okay. Um, before he became a full-time starter in the 19... 19- 69-70 season, he won six titles off the bench for the Celtics. Well, that'll do it. And sorry, Manu, but six is bigger than four, so that that explains it. So, yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, go Titans, go Grizz, go Tigers. And, yeah, I'm going, uh, I get to see Giannis Thursday, so I'm excited about it. That's going to be fun. Uh, Baltimore. Love you guys. Let's pull out a win. Let's keep it going until Lamar gets back and hopefully be even better. Uh, Lakers, like I said, just, I just want to see everybody healthy. It's so much fun to see everybody healthy. And then Grizzlies, I got to wait almost three months to the day to see y'all again live, but it's going to be worth it because hopefully by then y'all going to be the number one seed in the Western Conference and y'all going to kick the mouse butt. So very excited for that. Again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.